Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. I have two guests today that are New York mothers. So these are highly educated, incredibly traveled, um, they know everyone kind of women. And they're gorgeous and they're in shape and they have been doing their whole life. And I met them and I was like, you both have to come on my podcast and we become friends. And one of them is the vice president or president and publisher of W Magazine, the W Magazine that is a fashion magazine, which I would personally love. And the other one is a stay-at-home mom. And she lives, we both live in a very wealthy area called Bronxville outside of New York City. And um, one, they both have three children, so they're very similar. And, but one was a stay-at-home mom and one was a working mother. And I, we just discussed it. We discussed what their experience was. And I wanted everyone to hear the contrast as I'm teaching what it means to go into the heart and what it is being ver- versus doing and all of the things that have to go away in your life um, as you go into the heart more and what will be challenged. And really, you know, anything that creates any drama in your life is just a belief system that's getting in the way. It's a need to control, it's a need to create separation, it's a need to create power, it's more greed, it's all these different things. And so this is always continually coming up in my podcast, Um, but today was, it was just a different kind of a conversation. We were on my floor in my house and just laughing and kind of talking, and I was just asking them questions as they arose to see their experience in their doing. So this is a contrasting podcast. So you can hear, you know, this very active doing and the experience of that. It's really cool. I just um, love putting things out for you guys. If you have any questions for me, reach out to me at mysticalmotherhood.com. And if you want to buy my books or you want to buy any of my courses that are online, they're also on my website. Leave a uh, five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast. Hello, everyone. I have two amazing guests with me, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So I'm in a part of a series of talking to women around the world that are on different journeys. So go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll start to talk about why we're on the podcast together. Me? Oh, I'm Hollis. Do you want me? Yeah, just talk. Like, what? I have been a stay-at-home mom for, it will be 18, well, it was 18 years last month because my son turns 18 next week and I quit the month before he's born. I'm a fitness instructor and a passionate vegan and chef. Okay. Wow. That's a hard act to follow. Um, <laughs> um, uh, no. <laughs> just wait. Well articulated. Um, I'll try to be as articulate. I'm Amber Estabrook. And I live uh, close to Hollis. I'm one of her neighbors, and she's one of my best friends. And we share a lot of stories about our family together. We each have three kids. I have been working in publishing since 1997. It's my first job out of college in New York City um, with magazines and in media and have a um, sort of, I don't know what you say, special niche um, Lots of lots of experience working with European companies, European fashion and luxury companies, commute to Europe frequently, and do a lot of business on the West Coast. So I am lots of times traveling and on the road, which is difficult as a mom of three kids, um, recently divorced, and uh, trying to manage it all, doing both. So there's two examples. A woman that's a stay-at-home mom, right? And then a working woman with both three kids. That's a huge, like it's a like it's in this town. So this town is called Bronxville, and it's an interesting little town outside of New York City. And it comes with a variety of people. And I want to hear like, what do you feel like as like in this experience of motherhood here? Well, what, well, what I started to say this to you a second ago before we started, yeah. but this is a perfect lead into it. So I did live in New York City for 17 years. I was actually also ironically in publishing. And so Amber and I didn't meet till a few years ago, but we know a lot of the same people. I, my first job is at Vogue and Condé Nast and she works uh, for, she's the publisher of W Magazine, which was a Condé Nast magazine until a few 
years and ago. worked at Vogue for many years. And worked so. at Vogue. <laughs> um, so we like we have this same parallel existence in New York City, but then I chose the you know I, I did I wasn't making enough money to make it worth my while, and at the time my husband was an investment banker. It just made sense for me to stay home, but uh, we moved here. In 2010, so I had all three kids in the city, as did Amber. Mm -hmm. And the difference in the city, the working moms and the stay-at-home moms, it's like a war. Preschool pickup or preschool birthday parties. I mean, we had a neighbor who, I won't say her name, but our married last name is the same, and our daughters were born two weeks apart, and we happened to live in the same apartment building, and she had been Hillary Clinton's press secretary when Phil was president. I mean, she treated me like I was dirt. It was like literally... Because you were a stay-at-home mom. Yes. It was like, you didn't even... Like, you know, I mean, Chelsea knows because I went to boarding school with her husband, but I went to, like, one of the top high schools in the country. I'm not stupid. I just chose to stay home. But they would treat you like that's it. And there, there's also, even among stay-at-home moms, no support system. Because everybody in, in – raising kids in the city is super difficult. I mean, you, you just moved from there. You know. But moved here. And within a week, people would be like, well, why don't I take your daughter for the afternoon so you can go grocery shopping? I, Nobody in the city had ever made an offer like that. Yeah. And then I meet Amber, who I was completely intimidated by. You can't see her, but like, forget the fact that she's like incredibly successful and smart. She's also drafted gorgeous. But it was, it's never been an issue. Everybody's never, blonde here. <laughs> everyone is blonde here in the one square mile. It, but it's never been an issue. The moms here, it's very different. There's a lot of working moms. It's a very affluent community. It's very expensive to live here. So there are a lot of working moms. But I've never encountered that feeling like I did in New York City. So that's what the, this is about. It's about like this this divide divide yeah that we have as women is like so we think what what is success and what does it look like and what does it feel like and it's still never enough. It's and never so this, enough. And so this this conversation I've had is 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 never. It's never enough. It's like. Even, like, I went to, I dropped some kids, my daughter's off at their house, it's a beautiful home, architectural diadress, and she's like, oh, isn't this just a piece? I gotta knock it down, and I wanted it to be like, this is the most beautiful house <laughs> I've, I've, I've ever seen. Right. And it's in, it's in our programming, it's almost yeah. like a level of, of we're not enough, we're not enough. So I wanted to hear, like, what you've gone through in your need to create more, and then your decision-making process of staying home. And how that affected your self-esteem as you've gone through it for both of you. You know, it's interesting. I, I think as I age and go through this process of working harder and harder and trying to achieve more and more and raising three, three boys, the more I know, really the less I know. And that's been like kind of the lesson in life. I mean, I'm really, I think you learn to figure it out as you go. And, and that's something that's very uncomfortable for me because I've always been... Top eight, like Hollis, great private school, A student, great college, planned out my life, did well in my career, and then all of a sudden you've got everything going for you, and you don't feel like you're adequate enough. Like maybe you're not good enough because your kids want more of you and you can't give your time. Your work wants more of you and you can't give your time. You're on the road and you're missing a football game, a basketball game. It's, mom, all you do is work too much. You're never home. You're never around. There's no groceries in the house. You didn't buy the right snacks. There's not enough, you know, whatever. And you're, you, you, there's this sense of, like, what am I doing? Am I? Like, how did it go from me being at the top of the game with all this grit and being a warrior, yeah. like going out there and conquering the world and being on top and feeling overly confident that I could do everything? This idea—it's almost hubris, like that I could be this really amazing professional and it's travel the world. And then have three kids and think I can be a single mom. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I think for you, I think Here for I you, am. Am it's I really perpetual doing? juggling and all it's the balls perfect. in the air. And you're looking at them and you're now like, it's like, which one I have no fall? control over which anything. Which going to fall? Yeah. And it's, it's exactly. So you really rely on your girlfriends. You really rely on your support system, which thankfully I have found um, in this town, especially with Hollis and, and, and now with you and, and, and talking to people about it. Like mm -hmm. it's not as easy as it looks, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, now did it bring you when you reach the top? Cause everyone listening, like if you're looking at the mo like it's, it's both of you have reached the top. I mean, re reality of a beautiful home. You live in the most beautiful place in the world. You, you know what I'm saying? Like it, from the outside view, you both reach the top. So I wanted to interview both of you to say like, now, what does that feel like? Are you in your heart yet? Oh, it's a great question. You know, for me, 
it's 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 hard because I'm a goal setter. You know, I have short-term goals, you have long-term goals. Are we moving, you know, like constantly growing and growing and growing? Um, as a, and that's more of a sort of business like mindset that I've always had. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, how I find happiness now is a lot different than I found it before, I would say. And for you too? Um, I have a unique position and it's very, you sort of just tapped into this. So my best friend, when I was living in New York city with the three kids, um, she had two and we met like in a mom's like a music class with the kids. She had been, you know, she got her, she had her MBA and she'd been in the business world and she literally, but she also chose to be a stay at home mom and she was embarrassed by it. She <laughs> had this like veil of shame that she wore and she talked about it constantly and sort of like would put herself down and say like, what am I doing? I never had those feelings. I knew from the minute I was like 18 yeah. and knew I wanted kids, I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. It's what I wanted to do in life. I always wanted children. I never felt that. I didn't feel like I, it was something embarrassing and she did. So I, I've seen that side. Mm -hmm. And with that said, like, I mean, I don't regret it for a second. Like I, first of all, it's a privilege to be a stay-at-home mom in this world and this it economy is a and in New York City, you know, and it's lucky. I'm not saying I've loved every second of it. And also it was way harder than I thought. And I didn't love it. It's as really much hard as I thought. Work. And I didn't love being a mother as much as I thought. I, I run to the office. Yeah, for sure. But I didn't have any shame over it is my point. Whereas there are women that like, like making like, well, I, I, and then, you know, it's just, I never had that. With that said, I now know at my advanced age that I have a lot of untapped things that I should have been doing, and I had the time to do them, and I just didn't have the. But now you're you will. like I'm you know vegan cooking. Like I should have done a podcast. I've, I started a blog. I have like five entries. I never kept up with it. Everybody's been begging me to write a cookbook, do a meal delivery service. Mm -hmm. I haven't done any of it. That is the only guilt I feel. I don't feel guilty. For choosing to stay but at home. But that can always start. That can always start. And sometimes start. it takes that many years to become an expert in it. And yeah. sometimes we start a little early. And we th yeah. and our, our ego and our pride is like, I'm ready now. And in reality, maybe you needed all those years well, of cooking uh, and practice. Well, okay, but the, get, other, you know? the, other, the other component was I started teaching fitness in 1987 when I was at high school with your boyfriend. And I... My father was like, no, you're getting a real job. Had I followed that dream back in 1990 when this was just starting to become like a real, you know, like thing with videos and I could have had like a, a brand, like a Martha Stewart brand, but in a fitness, vegan cooking. I wanted to be a soap opera actress. My mother said no. Well, so, like, oh. okay, so one of the things I do with my work in my books and with women is I help them undo the conditioning of their childhood yeah, so that they don't repeat the past of their family. And so, and it, and it requires like, so it's, that's why I call it mystical motherhood. Is I repeated it? my mother's path, by the way. Exactly. She's so, CEO, so single mom. So how do you not do that? And so, so what I, what I teach for people that don't want to, who want to stop the conditioning, because all we are is a product of our conditioning and our beliefs are, are anything in our reality is just showing our beliefs, right? We were talking about earlier. Right. At right. The back, right. You know, like you are, your thoughts are creating it now. Is, is that okay with you that you repeated your mom? Did you repeat your mom? Mm, no. I mean, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but just because it was 1960s and that was... Are you sure? Uh, yeah, we're very different. <laughs> okay. I love my mom, but no. No, I don't. No, but, but, but I allowed my father's... You have to get a quote-unquote real job. I allowed him to shame me into not following my passion, which was fitness, and I could have gone very far. I mean, I teach it now, and I'm... You know, really good at it. You're really good at it. It's my calling. That's my bar class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. Um, but that was, I mean, I could have gone really far if I'd started in 1990 and built this Jane Fonda type brand. Think of it with vegan cooking and cookbooks and it could have gone really far. I mean, it still can, but it's, it still can. It, That's but the point, I mean, you, can. You, know, you can do it now. You can still do it. I'm just saying. It, I I allowed my father to shame but me. But what's into. the? But both of those situations, what we're talking about, doing too much and not doing enough, and then not doing it. Yeah. Oh, it's really are the same thing. And so what it is is I'm bringing in a polarity because right. there's so much polarity on the planet, and there's the polarity between the women and the shaming is what I wanted to talk about. Um, in general is like, why is one better than the other? Right. And why do we, in all, even the situation of what we're talking about is programming in general. 
Right. It's like, okay, so this is what success is, and this is what it looks like. I mean, W Magazine or whatever, and this is, and living in New York and, and having an apartment and doing those things, it's, it's, well, like, who would you be without all that programming? So, like, if you really went into well, your soul. Well, well, I'll tell you a story. So, eight years ago when the bar opened, they actually hired me to open it, and I, so I was working full-time for the first time in 11 years, and I didn't last more than a year. It just wasn't sustainable for our family because I had already set this model up of they'd never, I didn't have a nanny in place and they'd never had, you know, my husband couldn't change his hours and it was, it was what it was. But what it gave me was a sense of, I can do this. I opened this business. We had the highest pre-opening sales of any pure bar in the country and there were 600 and I did it. And part of what drove me to do that was one day I was driving the kids to school and I'm a terrible singer, but I was singing along to the radio and as a joke, I said, should I quit my day job? Like, you know, not realizing my kids didn't know that expression. It's just a joke. And my, my four-year-old goes, you have a day job? And that was like an arrow through my heart. I was like, wait, am I giving my girls a really bad example by staying home, even though I'm giving them all of me? You know? Imagine. You're not. I know, but it was just, that was like, ooh. But this is an example of both is that we're never enough. It's never enough. Never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. But that is an oof moment. But that's but, because you think that way. Otherwise, you could, who cares if the little four-year-old said that? It's like, yeah, yeah no, my day job is you. I love oh, you so much. I'm, yeah. it, it's a constant guilt that you're not doing enough. You know, I mean, I, the breadwinner, I have to provide. You the know, the only, bills have to be paid. The only fights that the Amber and I ever have is that she constantly puts herself down and she'll be like, you're so much better mother. I am not a better mother than Amber by any means on any level. Yes, I have more time to cook. Or go to the grocery store. That is it. And she puts herself down. So I will yell at you. You, you cannot be the breadwinner and do all of that. That's why you're the breadwinner. You pay someone to do that. And you I, shouldn't and feel guilty. That it, 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 You're absolutely right. I appreciate that. Um, but kids have a wonderful way of really getting into your core and making you feel like you're never doing enough. Um, yeah, they do. Even, even with the extra help. And in fact, you know, our nanny came over, our former nanny came over last night who's been with us since... The, my eldest was born 14 years ago and the love and adoration they have for her. I mean, she's truly, it was like they, she's like their mom that they never had really with me because I was, I mean, not their mom, but there is like, let's say such an affection that they have because she was there to be all the things that I couldn't be because I was working or traveling or doing the things that we do to provide and, and be in a business world. So you know, there is that sort of humility that comes with that. You know, it's like I see how much love and, and adoration they have for her, and I accept and I, it. And I'm I actually okay I with see it. How much I would love not and be adoration jealous. They have for you, so stop. So, with both of this, now, if you're talking to a mother that's 20 years old, 25, whatever, 30, just a new mom, oh, I, what would you tell her? Would you do it? Would you repeat it again? Would you would you do the same life? I hundred percent would. And okay, I've always lived my life that you have one shot and no regret. Like you do the do what you feel you need to do and have fun along the way. I knew I wanted three children. I knew I wanted three boys. I was a babysitter to three boys growing up for a very long time, so it was very instinctive to me. It was already ingrained in me that that was my path. By the miracle of God, that happened. I had three boys. Um, I knew I wanted to live in Europe. I lived in Europe. I knew I wanted to, whatever, climb up the ladder very fast. I wanted to have whatever it is that I've achieved and, and have now, um, and, but have fun along the way. So you, in some capacity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back and sort of go against some of the things I've said. You can have it all. You can, but you are going to have to, you are going to feel something, bad. Something's so, going to suffer. Something is going to suffer, you know, and, and it's a balancing act. You know, there are days that are great and I'm on top of the world because we've closed big deals. My team is on fire and the camaraderie in the office and it's crazy. And it's like, we won the Super Bowl feeling. Yeah. And then you come home and your kid's like... Breaking down. Breaking down. Can't do his homework because he has dyslexia, needs help, crying and suffering. And it's like, it's the high and the low factor. And you're never really in a place of... So it's, you know, it's like, but you have one shot to do it. And so I would say live the life you want to have to the best of your ability, whether you're home and you're making the food and you're, you know, putting everything you have into your children and, and, and making their life exceptional and being there at pickup. And like, I didn't get to do those things. 
You know, I wish. But it, I, but it didn't change anything. My kids still tell me on the daily, "We have no food in the house. We do nothing for us." <laughs> but is it their age? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, are, are they? Are their kids just assholes in a sense? Because <laughs> not to use profanity, but I think that they also. But but now I'm just hearing the common denominator is that. I think this is what kids do, especially in this, in this genera- age. This generation. This generation. We're in an age and in, in a town where there is a lot of... I got a new question. There's a lot. Okay, so <laughs> how do you teach children that are privileged to not be brats? Do you guys know? Yeah. It's kind of the way I grew up. I got my working papers at 14. My mother sent me to bag groceries you know, not at the Acme, but at the super, the grocery store in town. I had to, I had a job, three jobs every summer, whether it was a hostess at a bar or a a restaurant, dinosaur barbecue, to working in a doctor's office, to bagging the groceries, to working. But that taught you to do, but it didn't teach you to touch into your heart in those moments. No, but it taught her that you you don't get a free ride just because we have money. You have to go out and make your own. And then it taught you you exactly how to program for your next life. And grit. Yeah, it was the grit. It and taught it was, you how to run and the And have magazine. a little bit of humility, you yeah. know? You're not better than anybody else. Just because right. your grandfather owns, you know, the largest company in upstate New York doesn't mean that, you know, you have any more, uh, you're any better than anybody else. You will start out working as soon as you can, and you will pro- learn to provide and learn learn the process, learn the habit of, like, I have to provide. For yourself or for mm-hmm. whoever it is that comes into your life, I guess. And then what know. happens when the kids see the privilege, would see privilege around them and they come home and then they reflect that privilege and they talk about it? Because So, for example, my little girls came home and said, they asked me how many houses I have. And... <laughs> and I said, you're five. <laughs> and, and, I said, and I said, don't you ever answer that question. Ever. And... I couldn't believe it. So how do how do people with like how I mean and then there's the people that don't have any money, right? Like Right. So I that's why I loved Brooklyn as I put them right in it. And right. I was like this is the reality go. You know? Yeah, no, so, it's been harder. I mean, I live in a well, we'll be moving soon, but I mean, I live in a huge house and I would be driving a play date home. Like I remember the one girl was like, "Is this Yankee Stadium?" Yeah. Like when they pulled into my driveway and I would, like tried to instill in my kids like this means nothing and I've had other people say to me or I've read comments about um so Bronxville is considered not diverse but it's actually very financially diverse there are way more apartments mm-hmm. than private homes there's like something like only 600 private yeah. homes in Bronxville and it's mostly apartments because people move here for the school district and so you know they and people were like oh if you have an apartment you get treated differently I was like what world do you live in most of my friends live in apartments. I would never look at where... So I made sure my kids knew that from day one. I mean, we moved from a rental in New York City. It's like, yeah. whatever. It, that, that's like... Well, I'm one of those people. I live in a townhouse, and we don't have a backyard. We have a square that we share with 10 other townhomes. So there's a front yard that is communal, which is actually great because it's really taught my kids a sense it's of literally community. literally Melrose Place. It is Melrose. with kids. <laughs> it is. They all hang out outside. It is actually... <laughs> Fascinating. I mean, that's its own podcast, but um, <laughs> the dynamics of living in in a square and, and that small of a community so close together with your neighbors. But all of Bronxville is this. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. All, I've never seen a community like this. It's it's a, a mile by a mile right. of people that are like New literally York, on top of each other. New York transplants right. yeah. that are either going to pay the the taxes or not, or you know what I mean right. to get this school to get the school, and it's like. Pretty and it's diverse, but yet not diverse. But some and of the, the proximity, most yeah. educated, yeah. type A humans on the planet. So in my last like podcast, because it's success, yeah, it's success doing and the top of the top, right? And so in my recent podcast, I've been going into the heart and like, what is it like to be? What if we stop doing? What if we stop succeeding? And because I was like that at a level that I couldn't even stop controlling. Like I was like next onto the next, onto the next, onto the next, onto the next. Keep going. And I don't need to financially right now. I can chill out a little bit. That's good. You know, but it's still in me. So I'm like unprogramming it. And so I'm, I want, I'm bringing on you guys because it's so powerful to hear these other perspectives, you know? And well, I, I've come through three years of a lot of professional transition, um, 
that Hollis is fully aware of and has been a great support for me going through. And it's been absolutely exhausting and draining and stressful and anxiety producing. And now I'm ready to coast. My, I am like, I feel like I'm coming back to a sense of wanting to be, um, have more time, like, and thanks to the pandemic, this is also helping me, um, having those, having more quality moments, having more time with my kids, having deeper conversations, you know, um, connecting on a deeper level because again, it goes back to you have one shot and I want no regrets. And I know there was a lot of time that I missed out on these kids and I I, want to eliminate some of that stress that I've had and really start to connect more, connect more on a personal level, the people in my life, spend more time with my family and all capacities, um, travel and be more part of this community too. Cause like we live here. But do you agree with what I was saying about um, working moms and stay-at-home moms in the city versus here. Do you think it's much more harmonious here? Oh, yes. it's judgment. way more harmonious here. Hundred thousand way less percent. judgment, right? Like you do you, then help so each other. What does harmony mean to both of you, and what does connection mean? Well, we had a moment in our friendship. When was it? Like a year ago now? Like I yelled at you. I sent you that text. No, it was like two months ago. <laughs> no, it was more than two months ago. It was way more than two months ago. But there was one prior, but we're very close, but we have one of those friendships. Oh, she's been very busy. So like she was selling this anyway, it was a nightmare. But at some points, like I drop people, unfortunately. The people that are closest to me in my life when I'm on fire, I have a tendency to take advantage not take advantage she of just but doesn't, my mother. She wasn't Hollis, initiating. She just wasn't my initiating even. reaching out or like, you know, I'm going through some personal stuff. Too, distracted. I was always there when she, so I sent her, I was like, look, this is not a one-way street, blah, blah. Like, it was a pretty emotional coping mechanism. Because you know they're going to come back. Yeah, I know you're not leaving me. I know my mother's not going to leave me. I know how else to my sister's going to be. But to her credit, I sent her a pretty nasty text and. Which, by the way, everybody in my. But her response was epic. It was like, you are correct. I own it. I apologize. I'm going to do better. She calls me almost every single day now. So every moment of disharmony. This is really important. It's amazing. It is. I've worked hard on this because I she acknowledge has. it. You have every moment of disharmony in anything, in any relationship, in anything brings a higher moment of harmony later. And so that disharmony is needed yeah, to actually to connect self-correct. more. Yeah, you correct. Hundred percent. So, so it's it's like needed to connect on a deeper level. Yeah. So you have to have that disharmony, or you'll separate, or it'll be right. eliminated. And from it your goes life. back to like being a strong woman and be, me being like, okay, I know I'm just the stay-at-home mom, and I know she has this really high-powered, stressful job, but I'm allowed to tell her what my needs are, and I did, and it was like a moment for me of growth. You know what I mean? To be able to say that because I get your it. boundaries needed to be set. Her. Her time is way more precious. I like I have way more free time, and it's not really fair to say to her. But I needed more, and I asked for more, and I got more. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's this is where I. She's giving her more balance. So where balance. are you balance? Both, where are you both left in that? So like, okay, so let's say you're trying to connect with people around you. You're trying to give them more time. Yeah. You're trying to do all of these things. Now, where are you left? Like, what what parts of you have you given up on your self esteem or your love for yourself and or time for yourself or things like that. No, we both take time for ourselves every, every day to work day. out. Every <laughs> day to work say, out. That's the one thing we, the both, we both give yeah, ourselves you that gift. Selfish person in the world on she that. Runs. I run four to five miles every single morning. On a treadmill? No, uh, outside or on a treadmill. Depends on the weather. And Did you run in the ice? I did not run outside. I have, I've been spoiled because our club is open now. Um, mask, no mask, and I can run on the treadmill. No mask? Cold. So it's it's a luxury for me, but if it's uh, when it's nice, as soon as it goes forty five and higher, I'm outside. Yeah, you'll see me here or all around. I'll run up and down the hills. Everybody mm-hmm. sees me in the morning. It's awful. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> no makeup. <laughs> there she goes. But um, I would actually like to do more pure bar at Hollis's classes. That's um, also on my list of things to do. Um, I think that's. And how do you? create more self-love especially because you both have been through the divorce you know divorces i'm just moving this oh someone's gone um but how did you create self-love through your divorce and how are you creating it through yours other than projection and anger and all the things you're going to feel that are completely normal and a part of it how do you go through it in love for yourself i that's a great question i'm not even sure that's a great question but i know the answer i have 
since moving here. I, I've, I've really surrounded myself with amazing women, you included, even though you're new. Like, all the, like, between, you know, I won't name names, but, like, every woman in my life right now, ironically, happens to be divorced. Some are happily remarried, but they're all super spiritual. I used to, like, that was a part of myself that I hid down because I was taught that that was not, like, yeah. you know. Your and I'm programming a, said it wasn't yeah, appropriate. it wasn't oh, appropriate. Yeah, and I'm a super spiritual person. And yeah. so now everybody yeah. in my life is super spiritual. Definitely part of it. And I, I mean, I've always done a lot of girls nice out, but I surround myself with friends and I make time and my kids will give me grief. You go out all the time. I go out like maybe once every two weeks for two or three hours, but that's their perception. That's how spoiled they are, that how present I am in their life. And it's like, I just block it out because I know I've earned and I deserve that time on our girls. Even the other night we went out with a former friend that moved away. She's not here often, but like, you know, it just, yeah. I surround myself with strong women. Strong women. I think it's having that sense of connection as we're going back to. You know, it's having that camaraderie. It's having, it's, it's, the pandemic has taught me one thing that I didn't know about myself, that I don't like to be alone. And working alone in my house, being forced, you know, to not, what not forced, but like, having to learn a different style of being on Zooms all day and sitting in an office and you're isolated and alone and it's quiet and you don't have that interaction or that energy from other people. Mm-hmm. I started to like really like not feel good, like and become even more isolated. And so I think that, you know, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Hollis. Um, building that sense of making sure there is that sense of community, making sure there is that camaraderie, making sure that you are exposed to other great women, conversations, stimulation, people in general is mm-hmm. so beneficial to your own mental health because you go, you go to really strange places when, you know, forget about zoom fatigue, but just sitting alone in a house all day, quiet is very, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And I need energy. And I think, you know, we feed off each other's energy and well, that was something women really need to, important women, for me to learn yeah women need energy and they need to gossip we need to gossip yep we need well, to trade, you, we trade every, stories every time chelsea walks into my class like the first thing she says to me is like are you okay today like do you need a hug like she's like reading my energy like you always read my energy and i'm at work so i put on a front but when i'm not at work like if i'm having a moment like the other day i broke down and i started sobbing and i called her it was like 10 in the morning she's normally not available then but she picked up because she knows now I only needed three minutes, and I just like I'm. I'm just really like you have to be not afraid to ask for that help. You have to be not afraid, and I'm not afraid to ask for that help. Like I'm not embarrassed to say I'm crying. I'm having a bad morning. I I I don't have shame like that, and I think that's what. Yeah, it's the non-shame factor. Yeah, some people hold that in, and there's it's just toxic. I mean, that's one. And even having her for three minutes and her being like, "Okay, I'll call you at five o'clock when I'm done with my last Zoom." That's all I need to hear. Mm-hmm. I know I have that support mm-hmm. and she's going to call me and she knows I'm upset and I've got it out and I'm crying is so important and cathartic. That's getting those toxins mm-hmm. out. So you can't hold mm-hmm. that. Sh- yeah. Well, it changes in. your brain and it changes your yeah. perception of things. Yeah. I think it is. Well, it's the only thing that opens the heart yeah. and the only thing that makes you feel and most of the reactions you have are actually not actually feeling. They're just reactions. Yeah. And so we're not fully ever feeling. So when, you, when you're going through those crying moments, just fucking cry. Yeah. And then feel it. Because, like, I noticed, like, until my heart really opened, I, I looked at my reactions and I was like, most of the times if I was angry or uh, mad or, you know, reacting in a moment, I wasn't ever feeling the moment. I was having an experience with the moment but not feeling it within me to open my heart. I was, like, closing it off and the reaction was the closing Right. Of that moment. Like I didn't allow it in to open me. Right. And once I like let it in and the tears came out and I said like how effed up this world is or how, you know what you get, like we're talking about the kid situation and the effing divorces and all the stuff we have to go through. Yeah. It's hard. Oh, it's. It's so hard. hard. And then you both have three kids, you know. It's really hard. But you have to take time to feel it. You do. And And like what you're going through is really hard. It is the hardest thing you'll ever, ever go through, Hollis. I know. I went through it. It is the most painful The guilt. Thing. The... And then you find a partner who really loves you, and then you go into the same reaction that, that, that they're going to be the same, even though they're not, so you'll create them to be that. And so part of my work is also to show women that post whatever they decide to do, divorce or, or you know, in motherhood or whatever, 
don't recreate the man to be the old man. Yeah. And we do that because we're so powerful. You know, we'll, we'll make that man, even though he's not the old past or he, maybe he is. Yeah. But it's like that of, form of projection. You're yeah. Like you, but, but that's the power of the feminine is, is I can make the bathtub flood. Do you know, I know that that was a part of my own experience of needing to, to say, see how silly I am. Right. You know, or I can, you know, like I can, if I want it to be harmonious in my house, it will be. But the moment I'm out of harmony, the whole house goes out of harmony or something will go out of harmony and then it's testing my ability to stay in harmony. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I totally get it. I totally, totally get it. And I do think, I mean, again, this is another life lesson I've learned, but, um, I have so many girlfriends, as we know, and here in whatever, in Bronxville, outside of Bronxville, in Westchester, in Connecticut, <laughs> even in Italy. Um, literally five out of five of my best girlfriends are going through, have gotten divorced, going through divorce, have multiple children. Some are working, some are stay-at-home moms, some have side jobs, whatever it is. All different, unique situations. But the ability, when we connect now, there's such a different level of connection. There is such a deeper level of connection. And it's like, it's, it's therapy on its own. It's like, I can't live without it. It's like, we all need each other so much more than we've ever needed each other to share our experiences and share our stories and cry and laugh and drink and go out and do what we need to do just to, you know, get through. And that's what's really kind of fascinating. It's like the reason that's happening is that humanity is going through a heart opening process. And, and while we go through that, it will happen between a male and a female and anything out of harmony that, that needs to be taken away from the feminine or the male will break. And that will open the heart of the feminine too, particularly. Right. I, I mean, I work with the women so and also the males, but the, the, in order for us to go back into harmony, women need to go into their heart. And so thing after thing will happen, like with your children, what's happening with with their, you know, mental, you know, the things that are happening and, and the divorces, it's like one chaotic moment after the next chaotic moment after the next, until your heart fully opens into like all of cleaning off the past, your past, your generational history, and then you'll connect more, right? You'll begin. And then it it comes in moments of more connection, more slowing down, more love, more communication, more communication. That's what it is. I mean, this is what the pandemic and all this divorce that's going on in our mid forties to early fifties is taught me. It's like, throw me under the bridge. (laughs) There's a lot of, just stop. You look 20 years younger than I do. Um, but it is, uh, it's, how do you say it? It's, um, it's, it's communication, but it's more quality communication that I haven't had, or I haven't put an emphasis on because I've been too busy and too distracted with whatever it is in the career or the kids and the thing and the this. And I kind of forgot about quality communication with the most important women in my life, which is the foundation. Like these are now, these are my pillars of strength right now that I need to have more than ever. Maybe it happened for a reason. Maybe it's just a coincidence. There was a pandemic and everything in the world went to shit and my life went to shit and they're all alive and we all found each other. But it's the best thing that could possibly ever happen. And it is, it is knowing that there are other people out there who are really important to you also in your life that have a lot of similar issues, different issues, but similar. And you can t- you're not alone. You know, and I felt for so many years before all this that I was completely alone because I didn't expose myself. I didn't open myself to it. You didn't become vulnerable. I wasn't vulnerable because I didn't want anybody to know there were problems. I didn't want anybody to know. Oh, when I met her, I mean, I literally thought (laughs) they were like the cute, I mean, he, he was dropped at gorgeous. I'm sorry. Yeah. And she's dropped, they were this power couple and he's from Italy and like, I literally was like so intimidated by them and I was already like, I stayed in my marriage for a very long, I've been unhappy for a very, very, very long time and I actually thought I was going to stay until the kids graduated. I was just going to suck it up for the kids because that's what I do. Um, and then when we got to be friends, I was like, it's so surprising. Like, that's the other thing that people need to know when you look around, whether you work or don't work or this or that. Like, nothing's what it seems. Like, especially without the social media. Like, nothing's what it don't seems. let people, like, don't let that, I mean, I've always known about the social media. Oh, oh and the couples on Facebook that, like, Send little messages back and forth. Thou doth protest too much. First of all, 
if he's in the next room, why are you messaging publicly on <laughs> Facebook? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. I don't know who's doing that, but yeah, but you know, uh, there what? was a couple. That's why I stopped were... social media because I, I, and I was a huge. I posted all the time. I was plugging kids' pictures. I've up, never. And I'm at a party I've actually here, never. I was this celebrity over here. He had a great marriage, but they thought I would never leave. He thought I would never leave. So I gave so up on it. I'm done. What we're talking about right there is is pride. Yeah. And so it's this, I've been working it's with pride. the seven deadly sins. And actually the entrance of the highest spirituality, when you can't even enter into the spiritual realm, you can't even speak about it. You can't even cross the into the fire if you can't admit how prideful you are. And pride comes in the form of not being able to show guilt, shame, oh, or I, something is wrong that was with me. you. I was like... No. So you want to hide it, you and hide so everything. and so you and and it actually stops communication. So like it does. people don't respond to your calls, your texts, your whatever. And there's moments, and it's in you, and it's in others. But pride, for anyone listening, is the things you don't want to show about yourself because you will feel guilt or shame of who you are. And that was what I was always terrified of. You know, I had so much pride. I called hubris too. I was a little bit too. You are a witch. Another fire. I'm a fire going. Um, You know, yeah. It's. um, I'm actually the opposite. I'm I'm actually the opposite. People have always come up to me and said they admire my honesty. Like I, like even when it was our anniversary on Facebook, I would put posts and I would say, "Can't believe we made it another year." And I think maybe people thought I was trying to be funny, but I wasn't. I was being honest. (laughs) I can't believe we made it another year. Oh my god. I mean, I went. I did. That's really bad and hilarious. And he did. He see it. I know I had to block him years ago because he would criticize me for being honest and open on Facebook. Right. Why did you post that? <laughs> what a horrible post. Nobody wants to see what you ate for dinner. Nobody cares about your workout. No, that's abusive. I was like, they do actually. They come up to me and say, you're an inspiration. I love that. Okay, meal. so you're an influence. Now, now your husband, if he's doing that, was he playing your father? A hundred percent. I married my father who, by the way, I haven't spoken to since 2012. He cut me out of his life. And um, I, when I married him, I, I, I actually was super conscious of not marrying my father. And while we courted, and I will say we courted for a very long time because he was an investment banker and he was working 80, 90 hours a week. So we didn't see each other very often. Like I'd just go to his apartment and fall asleep and then he'd come and, you know, I'd see him for an hour in the morning. Like we didn't, you know, it took a very long time to get married and we really were in love. I really was in love when I got married and... It took about three or four years, and well, no, you'll appreciate this as a as a midwife. We got pregnant three weeks after the honeymoon. I wanted to. I was in my thirties. I got married at thirty-two. I wanted to have a baby, and his reaction was so disappointing. Like I, I, I we were so lucky to get pregnant, and he like literally came to bed, showed him the test, and he was like, "All right, I'm going to the office," and literally just got up and went to the office, and came home that night, nothing, no flowers. Like I expected him to walk in the door with flowers, like. So from the beginning, it was, things just went downhill pretty, pretty fast, yeah. And, 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 and ended up turning into my father. So yeah, I, yeah, controlling, verbally abusive, gaslighting, all the reasons my mother left him. Oh, so I did, I did, uh, sorry, I lied to you earlier. I, I ended up sort of living my mother's life in that sense. And I always told my mother that I hated her for divorcing my father. And I said to her, you married him, you chose to have children with him, you should suck it up and stay, and now I'm doing to my kids what she did to me. So we all repeat our past. So we all repeat our past. You are correct. It so is, stand corrected. It's all, it's all So bad. that's what my work is, is how... Sorry, my puppy is barking. Dharma. Dharma. Um, how the hell... Do you do break we, the cycle? Do you break the cycle? And but how the do you way not to, have your kids repeat the same? Because this is well, different. this is what I do. So I, I you know. so and I part of it is actually the breaking of like actually. And I wrote a book. My last book was on this, and it was a, how do you break that cycle? Yeah. How do you like knock? And I and usually the universe will knock the knock the wind out of you. And and there's the first phases, which I write the spiritual version of that. But it's really painful to know that you married your father. It's very painful, especially when your father has disowned you because your stepmother is so jealous of you. He hasn't spoken to me in 10 years. And the pain of that is being reflected through your partner in order to open your heart. So your partner's only doing his job. And he's been trying to do his job he's the whole really time. He's really good at it. But he's been trying to do his job the whole time, and you weren't ready to hear it until humanity's heart-opening process was ready to blow through you. And so it, it's fucking painful. 
Because then you realize you weren't loved for so long and you have to go through the unconscious wounds of that so that you can semi-clear it for your children. Right. So that even if you clear it now, you don't, they don't have to be before they go in the womb. Like Even if you begin the process of clearing it, they'll finish it for you. So they'll do something different to tell them it's okay to do something different. I grew up in a family where everybody was divorced. Great-grandparents, both sides of the family, mother and father down. Great-grandparents, grandparents, parents. Ditto. Both sides of my family, every aunt. Like before divorce was even divorced both grandparents. in America. Yeah. Grandmother went to Mexico. All aunts, all, all every single person in in my both sides of the family. I, like, beyond. So I got married with the intent, I'm going to break that curse. I'm going to be the one that oh, breaks I, the cycle. I promised him we would never get divorced. We will I never, ever, ever <laughs> get divorced. Very hard. Um, Programming is very deep, it's and it's not very, your fault. Yeah, it, it 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 was that that was part of my shame. That was part of my guilt. That's probably why, why it took so long for us for me to actually come go through the finalization of the process, which was initiated and then not concluded for a while. But was because of the fact that I was so set on breaking that cycle. You know, and keeping keeping true to my word, and and, and but you're also being the first in the cycle because I bet you they divorced because they were abusive too. Oh, my father was, yeah. No, but for her too, uh, yeah. is like your your it family was intolerable. Yeah. yeah, you had like did did they also have a the abuse or like a very a, a, an angry male? Um, every scenario I would say would be different in that capacity. I think there was unhappiness in general. Um, I think, you know, in the olden days there was war and there was probably infidelity issues, Mm -hmm. a lot of infidelity. There were, um, uh, oh yes, please. Um, just, I think every, I think all marriages come with their own set of special needs as I've sort of experienced with each one of my friends, my five best friends in this past two-year experience of divorce, Haven. Um, yeah, I, 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 for the family, I think, I don't know. I mean, I can't really say that there was the, there, there, nobody really had the relationship, maybe one or two that I had, or the difficulties that I experienced with my ex-spouse. But as very, much as and I, I have, don't have... even know how I allowed a lot your self-esteem wasn't high enough then to leave? Like, what made you guys finally decide it was over? The kids. Because I had to protect the children and their welfare, and they cannot... I mean, over and over and over, um, people would say to me, therapists would say to me, even our marriage counselor at the time, you are doing a real disservice to your children by staying in something that is not real, and they're being exposed to so much unhappiness and so much toxicity that what, what, what's the point? What's the point? Like why, what are you teaching them in the end? Because you're not teaching them love. Staying in a broken marriage is not love. Staying with somebody who sleeps in a different bedroom for two years and you you do kind of activities together, but you don't really want, like that is not a nice lesson. there's, there's, There's no lesson in that to be learned. You know, and if you can go find your happiness on your own, and he can too, and maybe you'll be better parents. And that's actually kind of what happened, is that we had to divide, we had to separate to, to go and be better together. Better humans. Better together. Yeah, better, better separate, but create a better family. And for you, what broke you to go to divorce him? I mean, if I'm being truly honest, I fell in love with somebody else. And, and that helped you, that spurned you out of it, well, right? Well, it was like... I was going to wait till my youngest graduated. I was going to be miserable for four more years, five more years. And I just, um, but, but having, to, I have a son and two daughters and I, I needed them to know that this was not normal. The way that their father speaks to me, the way that he treated me. I, I don't want to model. Like I would rather leave and I don't want to talk badly about their father to them, but they're not stupid. And my youngest, like, he took a job in another state, and he he's going back and forth. And every time she leaves, like my youngest will be like, oh, "He's gone. The house is calm. Like you can feel the chaos. The energy he's, change. No. He still hasn't moved out, so he's in the house, and it's just it was so bad for so long. And I just so, I thought I could do it. I thought I could just 
be unhappy, but like go work out, go out with my girlfriends, take care of my kids. We didn't, we had no interaction with each other. Did the money keep you there? Golden handcuffs, 100% golden handcuffs. So, I was terrified and I'm so terrified. And all of my girlfriends tell me I have to stop with what my, my other friend who's a medium is like, stop with the scarcity mentality. That's what she calls it. Now for you, you were she the provider. The I'm, so the money, did the money keep you there? Yeah, she was terrified. Because you, you, so this, I want everyone to listen. Two scenarios. Again, polarity. You, you were afraid. Terrified. Amber was terrified, terrified because she would have to provide for him. And then I not only provide, but everything I've worked for to achieve from was pension taken. to 401k and life insurance and the savings right. and investments. And so it's always about money and greed. And that's the first step. Overwhelming fear of everything I've worked so hard for to achieve that I've sacrificed for this family. But that's a part of the spiritual opening is you have to could jump. Be gone. You could have be to f- go, go through the fire. That I don't know where it's going. And I could be left a little bit high and dry. And I've worked too hard for that. And how did it go when you left? Are you okay now? You're oh, still alive, I, right? You I got our great lawyer and he got nothing. So you went through the fire and you <laughs> were okay, right? So I, I want to repeat. The best outcome possible. I want to repeat to everyone. It, it was literally a uh, gift from the heavens, how it all went down and transpired so easily. And literally $10,000 in, in a Isn't short, that so silly that of time. we and create such a thing All over it? Zoom, never even a meeting. I mean, we just yeah, did it years really of fear and then it was fast fine. and expeditiously. Years of fear and and um, gratefully, my ex-husband did not get a lawyer and followed everything, The pretty much the plan that I wrote as to how the terms were going to be, the conditions, and accepted, and here we are. And I, and, and for that, I have, to, I have a lot of gratitude, and for that... Um, I mean, he did leave his country to move here, and I know he's sacrificed a lot. I will, for some ounce of me, will always be indebted to that. So I will protect that and do the right thing and take care of him to a certain degree as much as I can. Because he has his own programming that he grew up with. And you also, like, as you're going through this heart-opening experience and whatever that's happening in your life, what I call heart-opening experiences... You you have you give to, what you put out like you it's a gift. yeah you the more you give obviously the more they're going to get but not, you have to honor that they have their own programming right he can't he he came from an Italian family he doesn't know how to take care of Italian himself Italian family fighting parents that should have been divorced parents had separate residences in Milan like two different houses like grew up in this chaos and you stay married forever in Italy generally speaking in that generation of his parents you don't get divorced there's no divorce but you got to have sex with an Italian man. Oh, I had sex with many Italians. Oh, really? <laughs> she lived in Italy. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. A lot of Italian Oh, boy. Men. No, I was, I was Wait, my almost story, married to my one story, before. My story's complete opposite. So I'm, like, living in a $4 million house in Bronxville, one of the most, like, one of the most beautiful homes in Bronxville, seven bedrooms, living a very charm life. Like, so I went back to work. I didn't have to. I worked very hard. I don't have to work, but, like, you know, I give my everything to that studio and raising the kids and no help, no cleaning lady, grip. Super waspy. No cleaning lady. No, never, never had a cleaning lady. <laughs> Soup with two laundry rooms. Super waspy background. Like I was taught, you know, same thing. Fourteen, you're handed your working papers. I've always worked my whole life, and I still considered being what? Oh, and it's gonna happen. Trust me, Leo. I told him. I mean, you've got six months. Well, not even. You got four months until you're fourteen. So yeah, so. but no. But I'm answering Chelsea's question. I stayed because, I mean, I'm very appreciative and grateful. Like I'd be at Target, for example. And get to the checkout, it's $400, and I didn't have to blink. $400 is nothing to us. But I know in the back of my mind that for some people, that's three months' worth of groceries, and it wasn't even any food. It was just shit from Target. I appreciated all of that. I don't have designer clothes or handbags. I'm not materialistic. But now that I've... But yes, it was golden handcuffs, and I was scared to leave that. And now that I'm leaving it, I am terrified. I'm petrified that I'm going to petrified. But I've decided that I would rather live... In a one-bedroom apartment with my two girls, my son will be going off to college, and be happy and not be. I, I'm it's scared. probably not going to happen. It's well, not. we'll see. <laughs> but my point is, it got to the point in my marriage where I was scared to go down in the morning and make coffee because I didn't know which criticism I was going to be greeted with each morning. Um, ne- he never said good morning. It was, did you call the plumber? Actually, you call the plumber. I mean, we're not sending love. We're not going to go. We're going to send. Him I'm love. just saying. It, it, that's, it got to the point where I chose my happiness over money and being taken care of. And I'm terrified. 
You're terrified. So everyone, she's going through the terrified moment of leaving, and you've gone through the I've fire, gone through the it. scarcity mentality, and then you go through the the um, like. There's and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, like Amber. So anyone, so beyond this, as we close out, is there anything we've talked about? So many things. Don't get married. Don't have kids. Don't get married. <laughs> right, is there anywhere anything that you would recommend to like women that are going through their own heartbreak experiences? Like, as they go through it, you know, and the, as they awaken... Become spiritual. Like, what are the most important things? Um, Love yourself. Yeah. You deserve it, even when you think you don't. I, and Work out every day, right? Work out every day. Well, Mental clarity Don't vegan. Don't eat animals. No. It's <laughs> yeah, really you got to work I'm out. Like you got to have short-term goals. You got to have long-term goals. You know what? Don't be so hard on yourself, but go out there and, and literally like have, I always, and I say this and I should tattoo it, but like have fun, like live your life. If you're young and single, have fun. And as soon as you get into a relationship, look out for the red flags because there may be, see how big those red flags are. They might be, they might be, you know, too big to handle. That's your opportunity. Jump ship, get out. Don't settle. You're too young and there's too many opportunities out there because you want no regrets in the end. And that's my biggest thing. No regrets. No regrets. You live your life to the best of your ability. I've I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. A lot. And I'm with Amber. No regrets. So what? So I've done... She knows what I've done. But like, I don't hate myself. All you can do... I, I, I worked in ad sales, as did Amber. And the best thing my publisher ever said to me was like, if a client got angry or whatever, he's like, this is what you say to the client. Look, I wish I could turn back the clock and fix it, but I can't. So what can we do moving forward to make it better? And that's how I've always tried to live since then. I was like, you're right. I can't be upset about what happened yesterday because you can't. I'm not Hermione. I don't have the time changer from, you know, Harry Potter. I can't go back and, and save the hippogriff's life or whatever. But you can move forward and make it better you know, that's all you can do. You cannot look backwards. And as you get older, as you get older, you get what? You get Botox. You get Botox and you run five miles a day. You run five miles a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, wait, Pure Bar. Can we go Pure Bar? Yeah, and we, <laughs> this is New York, people. <laughs> God. And then you fast. You don't eat till lunch. And, and, um, and, 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 <laughs> no, I don't do that. Um, but you don't, you know, I, 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 the only advice I have is you think, you know what? When you're young, you think you know everything and you have the energy and you can do it. And I look, actually, this is a funny story. It was my son's birthday yesterday. We looked back at all of these photo albums of he and his brothers growing up. And I couldn't, I don't even have recollection of these days and memories. We, I was working so hard and trying to be the perfect mother and the perfect wife. And it, it went by in a second. It went by in a nanosecond. And here I am now, and it's like I'm living my life for the first time. So live your You're life. You're finally being present. I'm That's finally present. I'm finally now, present now. what was the thing? Now, this is the most important part of the podcast because that fast lifestyle, and I can tell you right now, I'm hitting, I hit that present moment now. I, I, I'm hitting it I now. I remember a mom told me one time, she goes, I haven't, I, I realized, so she's in it. This was a, yeah. uh, it was in Ireland and it was a mom and she said, um, I don't think I remember anything that happened. I don't remember. Because it's, you're, you're in a state <laughs> of chaos and your mom, but no. then the difference is, is when you become president, it's like you're actually listening and you're communicating. Enjoying. And, and remembering. Enjoying and remembering. And creating something that's longer lasting and you hold on to it. You wake up and you think about it. And it's a memory. It's more than a photograph of what you don't remember, which is, it was such a, it was such a. You were always doing before and now you're learning going. to slow down and a little bit. And now I'm like, I really want to slow down and enjoy it. I want to, like, forget the photograph. I don't care. That's why I stopped social media. Like, I don't give a shit. I can post all day long on Instagram if I want. I've got a great life. I've got big parties I go to. I'm with celebrities. I'm in fashion. I've got this. And I've got beautiful girlfriends like Hollis and you. We could create a magazine ourselves, but, like, it's not that. It's really sitting here on a floor in somebody's living room yeah. with a beautiful fire and like having a conversation and meaningful experiences. Yeah, so it's ev- not yes. what it used to be for me and going through the motions of what I thought. So that's my advice that I would give to a young girl. Slow down. Enjoy every moment a little bit more because it goes really fast and you get over, overly like, I got to keep up. I got to keep going. I got to keep my career going. If I have a career, I've got to be the best mom and I got to make the best vegan food and I got to get my kid into the best preschool. 
and you lose so much in that process. So that's a regret for you. It's a huge regret. I don't remember. You don't remember. I was trying so hard on every front. I wish I had slowed down and just let it be a little bit more. You know, let life happen. Any regrets for you, Hollis? Not leaving him earlier? (laughs) Well, you would have not had the house. I... (laughs) Well... Four years ago, we did a kitchen renovation, and it's my dream kitchen, so I kind of stayed for the what, kitchen. What? I, I deserved a couple was of years in the kitchen. It's white. It's, white it's a white kitchen with gold. But it doesn't but, have your wall. No, my only regret is <laughs> it's not, it's, I could have still been the completely present stay-at-home mom I was. And during the hours that they were at school, yes, I worked out for two to three hours, and I did a lot of cleaning and cooking. And I, If I had just taken an hour a day and really worked on my blog or worked on my cookbook... That's it. But, I mean, I'm 51. I can still do it now. People are still asking for my cookbook. And I want to do it. Look for it. Everyday vegan. Everyday vegan. Awesome. Thanks for joining. That was awesome. Just so everyone knows, like, we're sitting on my floor <laughs> by a beautiful fire. Beautiful fire. Dog my... is locked in the basement. Because she was kissing us too much. And if you heard a dog mid-talk, it was because she's running through. And we're drinking wine. And we're going to go out to dinner now. Yay. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Love it. Thank you, Jessica.